Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Striving for the Mastery. Good afternoon, everyone, and uh, welcome back from the feast. I think most of us will be preparing uh, feast reports for next week. Before I begin, uh, I'm sure it was a fun and exciting time for a lot of you, and um, it was most inter interesting on the very last day, on the, day of, on the last great day, on the way back, Carolyn and I took a, a scenic route. And uh, we uh, had met with David and Fran to eat at Subway before we left back for Oklahoma. And uh, so there was two ways to go through uh, Branson West. One is you can go down Main Street. The other is you can take the bypass. So David took the route down uh, Main Street. And I took the route uh, around. Branson West. So uh, we met at the stoplight, him going north and us going uh, uh, east. And uh, I was sure I, we should go east. But then David cuts across and he goes north. And I said, well, David probably knows a different route that's shorter because he was talking about a shorter route. And so uh, I said, Carol, well, maybe we should go that way. So we went that way. And um, things looked pretty different from the way we had come in. <laughs> and uh, now I was talking to David earlier, and uh, he said that he realized that they were going the wrong way, and about two miles down, they turned around and went back the other way. <laughs> but we never did see them go past us. So we kept on going, kept on going. And uh, I thought, well... Uh, Start, the road started to narrow. There are just curves and curves and curves and hairpins and places we had never seen. And uh, so, well, I thought, well, David's ahead of us, so he must know where he's going. And uh, it was just, it was just, I was getting a little frustrated because uh, <laughs> you can understand that. And, and Carolyn was trying to calm me down. He said, well, at least we're looking at things we've never seen before. And I thought, well, that's all right for you to say because I'm the one driving, you know. But we never did catch up with uh, David. And I, you know, there's all these gullies and the, all these places down below the side of the road. And we thought, well, maybe they could have run off down the road or down the gully or something. And, uh, but that wasn't going to stop us. We was going to go ahead and go on. <laughs> so, in a way, we saw places that we had never seen before, and that is my feast report. <laughs> I could have at least checked the maps on the, uh, the phone, you know, but I didn't, and that uh, should be a lesson to me, you know. But we got back. We made it back. We're all here, and it's good to see you all. Striving for the mastery. Two years ago, uh, Carolyn and I planted um, uh, a couple of apple trees in the yard, and uh, you know we were looking forward to it uh, producing fruit. 
something, uh, you know, to eat off of, just go outside and, and pick it. And as we all know, a planted seed, it's, it's not a seed because we planted the tree, but a planted seed takes time to grow. And it, ha it must grow into something. And it will do its part if it's watered, if it's taken care of, if it's, uh, you know, keep the insects and the weeds away and things of that sort. Uh, things that might stifle its growth. We, you, you try to avoid those things. But it takes time for any fruit or tree to grow, to grow and produce fruit and to mature. So in like manner, we also, it also takes time for us to mature and to grow fruit. Now in Galatians 5, in chapter 22, verses that you're familiar with, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith. And then meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, things that have been planted into our hearts and our minds. These fruits are what we could look for and seek to see that they're, you know, they're growing. But we know that they don't grow on their own. It takes care in doing those things uh, right for those fruit to mature. It takes looking at the Word of God. In verse 24, it says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So those are the things that we know that are contrary to uh, the Spirit, as you know, identified up there in verses 20 and 22, which says, uh, talks about idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and variance and uh, seditions and heresies, envyings, murders, and so on. Seditions, things of the like, things like that. But most people know the difference between good, they know the difference between what is good and what is right, and what is expected of them, and all would prefer that we see good fruit in everyone, kindness and love and, and those things. So in verse 25, if we says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So the message today, let us look at one particular fruit that we see here listed, and that's the fruit of temperance. Temperance means having restraint and abstinence from certain things that can be harmful, like alcohol or drug abuse or some things that are just not good for the mind or the body. And to be successful in overcoming and growing that particular fruit is to be temperate. In 1 Corinthians 9 and in verse 24, uh, the Apostle Paul said, Know you not they which run in a race, run all, but one receives the prize. So we're not in a race where everybody is, you know, trying to get ahead or just trying to be the first and to beat everybody else. Uh, but they do that in order to win that first prize. So they run, so, so they run in order to obtain. And every man, verse 25, that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, 
But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Paul knows, as we all do, that it is a struggle to keep our fleshly cravings under control and uh, out of the influence of the works of the flesh. Now, there are many areas in which we do exercise temperance. We show restraint in some things, and like sometimes not answering back in kind when someone says uh, uh, an offensive or unkind word to us. And we hold restraint in uh, not being quick to judge or to condemn anyone, and we often hold off on, you know, just having one more drink or a bite of candy. You know, we exercise restraint in a lot of those areas. But what is the opposite of temperance? It would be intemperance. Now, as one example of intemperance, we can read in Proverbs 23, 29, and 30, it says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has babbling? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, that they go to seek mixed wine. And we've read elsewhere, you know, strong drink is raging, that it is a mocker that makes one think and just do foolish things and say uh, foolish things. There, we, you know, we make uh, jokes about it uh, sometimes, about, you know, people getting drunk, and we see it on TV, and how they act stupid, and we laugh at it, and things of that sort. Now, there was a couple of drunks on the street, and uh, one of them was uh, muttering something, and uh, he kept on saying, it can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done. And so the other drunk said, what's that you say? And... So, so the other drunk said, that, and he is pointing to this, this large sign saying, drink Canada dry. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we know that drinking is a serious problem because so many exercise no restraint in regard, in regard to those things, and it contributes, contributes to those things that we really read in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. I won't go there, but you can read that. In 3 John 2, 3 John 2, uh, this is John, John, the beloved disciple of Christ. He writes the elder unto the uh, well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved I wish, you know, it's, uh, this is from the word komahi, which means pray. I pray above all things that you may prosper, and that is do well or succeed in life and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So we see here as the example of John that we need to pray for one another, that in all things, that all things will just go well with them and their families, especially those who might have problems. In uh, Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, we read why it is important to, uh, to be sure our bodies and our minds stay in good shape. Verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, you know, it is a sacrifice to give up those things that we have habitually grown used to and, and do, things that could be harmful and, uh, to our well-being. Uh, a lot can be said about habits, good or bad, or good and bad, and there's a Chinese proverb that says, habits are cobwebs at first and cables at last. It depends on the kind of habit that you build, but whether it's good or bad, uh, they start out as just, you know, like cobwebs that uh, eventually turn to cables. And you've probably heard this one, uh, one too, uh, the best way to stop a bad habit is to never begin it. You know who said that? J.C. Penney. J.C. Penney. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So as we see the world around, around us, the society around us, we know that it seeks to pressure and mold us into its ways, that it seeks to just squeeze us into its shape and lead us in, uh, in the wrong direction. So we have to know what is good and what is not and rather be shaped by the Spirit of God looking to his word and walking in his spirit. So the whole person, the body and spirit, is to be set apart as holy to God, no longer conforming to uh, the ways of, you know, of this world that is mostly in contrast to the fruits of the Spirit of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Here we see where it is vital to those to, to walk in the Spirit, those who live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, rather than conform to the works of the flesh. Uh, verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So from this moment, as we draw breath, we know that there's going to be some time ahead until uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The eternal God, we know, is faithful to his promises if we seek to do his will. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, as we go through life, we are confronted by these wayward pools of the world and that we're not to live in. And we should carry the following thought here that it gives us. In verse 19, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You ever think of that? We are not our own. For you are bought with a price... Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. As, uh, even as young children and teens, you are blessed because of your parents' walk in the spirit of God. And you should also remember that you are a child of God to honor him and to glorify him in the way uh, you act and conduct yourselves. So when the spirit of God was put into our minds as adults, we became his, bought with a price, 
that is the precious blood of, of Christ. In Hebrews 9, it tells us in verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, uh, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So we have within us that promise of redemption, of reconciliation to God, and the power of the Holy Spirit to work with us in walking in his spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So if we're building on the good things, if we're building on the fruits of the Spirit, these things will help us to be stable, come what may. And to grow in that Spirit, we must be established in Jesus Christ. Verse 14, If any man's work abide which he has built thereon, Thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The NIV uh, translates this. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved. But only as one escaping through the flames. So it will take a great test to make up for loss. There are many, and we know, that there are many who have conformed to the ways of the world and are in danger of, of having gone back. Because some, you know, chase every wind of doctrine, every, uh, everything like that, having itching ears, you know, for something uh, they think is better. In Romans, uh, Romans 8, uh, Verse 35, let's go to verse, oh, verse 35, we'll go up to verse 35 there. Uh, you know, God is merciful. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In Romans 8, uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? You know, trouble or hardship comes along in our life. But sometimes we feel, you know, uh, left, isolated. But that's not going to separate us from the love of Christ. Verse 36, as it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or, or any, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 again, verse 16 this time. 
It says, know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So we are to be physically and spiritually holy, separated unto God. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, verse 3, it gives instruction on things that will, you know, physically make us separate from the way of the, uh, of the world. It says, verse 3, Whatsoever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that shall you eat. And in verse 8, Deuteronomy 14, But the swine, because it divides the hoof, yet chews not the cud, it is unclean unto you, and you shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their dead carcass. So why such restraints? You know, why uh, the temperance? You know, it's, uh, temperance has to do with having restraint. Deuteronomy 14, again up to verse 2. For you are a holy people unto the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. You shall not eat any abominable thing. Now, we don't know what, you know, we might do when we are faced with great hunger. It may even look good to us. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 through 17, it says for us to be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has, has life with darkness? So we are to be careful to not get involved with the waywardness of the world here. Don't join in in what we know to, uh, that won't be pleasing to uh, Christ. Verse 15, And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? So, you know, if we put into our temple idols, things that shouldn't be there, we begin to defile ourselves. For you are the temple of the living God. God is living. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come you Come out from among them, and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. There are, we know, there are forces at work in our life each and every day, some good, some not good, but knowing we are children of God, including, you know, the youngsters and teens in this room, it helps us. He helps us along with his word. A writer once wrote this advice. He said, thank God every morning when you get up that you have something to do that day, which must be done, whether you like it or not. Being forced to work and forced to do your best will breed in you temperance and self-control, diligence and strength of will, cheerfulness and content, and content 
and a hundred virtues which the idle never know. End quote. It had a name to that, and I just didn't write it down, and I can't remember what it is. But the pig, we know, is a scavenger. It feels at home in filth. Its flesh is almost human-like, but it can, you know, be scrubbed. It can be cleaned up and fed clean things and made uh, to look good for food. But the word, you know, says no, even to that. Nevertheless, we don't condemn those who eat things like it any more than we would, might condemn someone who likes nothing but uh, sweets and drinks sodas and, and uh, eat potato chips like I do. So, it's not good for us. We know, we know better, but it, 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 it's a matter of striving for mastery in overcoming things that are not good for our bodies and spirit as shown in the word of God. Sin in the world, when it is dressed up, when it is scrubbed, when it is put into glamorous and glitzy packages uh, and cooked to look good, it's going to tempt everyone to want to indulge or have a taste of it, still knowing that it, it, it's harmful to mind and body. But we are to have temperance. We are to have restraint in our, in our own lives. In Isaiah 66, there is a prophecy beginning in verse 15, for behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his word will the Lord plead with all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, saith the Lord. We see this as an expression which is figurative of mankind's disobedience to God's word and of those who you know, seek their own righteousness, go after their own pleasures, doing their own thing. But it tells us that it is the moral duty of ours to abstain from anything that is not healthy to the body or to the mind, as God has shown us, you know, through the words that we read in such places as Leviticus and other places. Verse 18, for I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. So we see that there is correction coming, and it shall come that all of these things are going to, uh, all of these people are going to see the right way and see God's glory and his holiness. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul, verse 7, he said, uh, he said, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, that I... <clears throat> And I do count them but dung, he says, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And this is what, you know, together, uh, we're not in that kind of race where only one gets the prize. We're in a race where if we overcome and live up to the expectations uh, of the Spirit of God, then, you know, there's that reward that is to come. We see here where Paul 
had, uh, had uh, recognition and pride in his, uh, his taking after the Mosaic law, rituals and ceremonies and all those external things that he thought would make him uh, more righteous, make his righteousness more complete. And he didn't see Jesus as God's son. But then when his eyes were open, he saw those things that did not commend him to God or make him any more righteous. And so he gave it all up to conform to the love and the saving power of Jesus Christ through his spirit. In verse 10, Paul continues, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Giving up old habits, giving up sin, uh, going the right direction, uh, we conform more and more and grow into the spirit of God. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So as we pursue the Holy Spirit, as we try to master these things that are giving as the fruits of God's Spirit, we may tend to forget some of them. We may for, tend to forget uh, to do them. But there, God has a way of reminding us, of letting us know. Verse 17, he tells them, Brethren, be followers together of me, but mark them which walk so as and mark them which walk so as you have us, for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Jesus. So the Apostle Paul had deep concern for those who, uh, who walked away from, from that way of life. And he did, he, he did so with weeping. And you know, when you cry, you're really serious, seriously concerned about something whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. The point is, Paul is showing us that the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit is within every believer who strives for the mastery of the fruits of God's Spirit and with the, that, that there is a prize uh, at the end. But uh, they that are in the flesh, who mind uh, the carnal self, the carnal ways, and thinking, you know, it cannot please God or man. For uh, to uh, forsake carnality is hard for some, Yet, little by little, uh, the fruits of the Spirit grow, and we achieve mastery over ourselves. Good banners are made up of small sacrifices. I've heard 
said. Now, let's go to Romans 8. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, in verse 11, from the dead dwell in you, if the spirit dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, it says, they are the sons of God. Scripture says we're, we're not of the world, that is, of its ways, but we know that the world wants us to give in to unrighteousness. So we have to exercise restraint and temperance and be wise in, in uh, spotting things that will turn us away, that will defile our minds and our bodies. So we have to strive for uh, mastery. And we learn of the spirits, the fruits of the spirits, uh, early on. It can begin early in life in teaching and, and hearing the word of God. have this uh, little story here. There is an old man who remarked, he said, when I was a little boy, Somebody gave me a cucumber in a bottle saying, uh, and he said, but the neck of the bottle was, was small, so how could the cucumber uh, be in there? It was full and it was growing. As a little boy, you know, he thought, well, you, you somehow squeeze that cucumber into the neck of that bottle. So he wondered how it got in there. But out in the garden one day, he, he saw uh, this, this small cucumber with a uh, it on the inside of this, uh, this bottle. And then when he saw that, he understood how the cucumber uh, came to grow on the inside of the glass bottle. And so I gather from this that once grown, uh, uh, that fruit cannot slip out. It's in there and it becomes a visible part of life in you know, the way we act, the way we uh, conduct ourselves. So it is that we must internalize Every day, God's spirit in this vessel of clay that we have, uh, that is the temple of, of God. So, for whatever that's worth, again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, again, verse 17, uh, Come out from among them, and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters. So, what course will we take in the long days and in the months that are ahead of us before the next holy day in spring? Well, it's to have hope that we grow the fruits of the Spirit with God's help and to include this fruit of temperance, of restraint. Verse, uh, again, 1 Corinthians 9.25, And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. So that, you know, that being, having temperance, having restraint uh, is, is the key, is one of the keys to uh, striving for the mastery. Now they, those who conform to the temporary and uh, lustful things of the wayward world, you know, do it to obtain a corruptible crown. That is, you know, maybe their riches, their, their possessions, their power, their popularity, and whatever else it is. But we do it to obtain an incorruptible crown. 1 John uh, chapter 3, it says this, uh, verse 1, 
Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when we received his spirit, he gave us his life-giving ways with many different kinds of fruits. Some of us, you know, are growing a little bit more love than others, and some a little bit more joy than others. But they're growing as long as they're growing, as long as they're producing. Uh, we wait for that full fruition to come. And it's like those apple trees that I said we planted. You know, we wait and see, uh, still waiting to see if it's going to bear apples and what kind of apples they're going to be. And we wait to see Christ, knowing that we shall be like him someday. And verse 3, and every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. First Peter chapter uh, 4. Uh, verse 6, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men, uh, to, uh, to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So temperance is helped by self-control. And scripture shows us, like in Proverbs 16.32, you remember what that scripture says, I don't think I put it on the screen, but it says that he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit better uh, uh, than he that takes a city. So self-control, temperance, restraint. So we should remember temperance in our daily life and exercise restraint from uh, doing evil and harmful things to our body and spirit through the help of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. So if we're having, any, having trouble with any kind of, of intemperance, we seek God in prayer, have trust in his word, and then do them. You know, that's our reasonable sa uh, uh, service, our reasonable sacrifice, if we are to overcome striving for the mastering. In conclusion, Second uh, Peter. Second Peter 1. Here we see Peter reminding them of, of the gifts and promises of Christ and he exhorts them to add to their faith some virtues that will make uh, them f uh, fruitful. And verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ according as his divine power has given us all things all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, 
So when we see these great and precious promises that are written throughout the Bible, it should be an encouragement to uh, be partakers of the divine nature that is expe he is expected to have in us uh, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Uh, verse 5, And beside this, give all diligence, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in conclusion, let us strive for mastery in temperance and restraint as one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we have been given.